Well, hello there, young feller. You need a lift? Hey, thanks. I'm heading up to Camp Late Seating to record a podcast. Camp Late Seating? Good lord. What? What? Oh, oh nothing, nothing, nothing. It's just that that place is cursed and all. Oh, come on. Keep your boogie stories to yourself, old man. They ain't boogie stories. A while's back, a bunch of movies got murdered up at that camp. Fine movies with stunning reputations. Yeah, well, big deal. That was, what, like a million years ago? They say that the podcaster would open camp late seating went crazy. No movie is safe. Why, I bet if you go up there, you'll probably get all killed and stuff yourself. Uh-huh. Okay, so are you going to drive me up there? Well, of course I am. Here, you just sit back a while. Uh, I'll turn on the radio, and you can listen to one of them podcasts they make up at the camp. Kids, welcome to late seating. I am Jason. I scared Steve's mother, Harding. And I am Steve. I don't have a scary nickname, Shives. Boy, you know we've only been doing the the October shows now for three I, years. I, <laughs> you would think you'd be able to come up with something, motherfucker. I was going for kind of a meta comedy thing. <laughs> it's funny because I don't have one. Sorry, I'm so sorry, Master. No problem. Hey, kids, guess what? I have a flu, and I'm trying to maintain this character while having a flu after having to watch this pile of shit that was placed on my computer screen. I faded in and out of consciousness, and I watched the whole thing, and also it's your fault. It was all my fault. He's the one that wanted to do Friday the 13th on Friday the 13th. And now, I'm going to drop the accent because it will drive you all insane! We can't keep this up for 90 minutes. No, absolutely. Hey, Steve. Uh Uh-huh, man. Yeah? What movie did we watch? At my suggestion. Yes. We watched the original Uh Friday the 13th. Boy, did we ever. We watched it and watched it and watched it. Mm-hmm. Also known as Filler the Movie. <laughs> yep. That will become more clear later. Yes. Hey, guys, it's October, and that means scary movies. That's why we did the stupid thing at the beginning. And so this 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 time, we're going to take a look at um, something that's supposed to be scary, right, Steve? That's what they tell me. It's not supposed to be a great big old sleeping pill. <laughs> <laughs> that That is not... That is not what the filmmakers were going for, no. You know, when you have the flu and you have a 102-degree fever and you're a little <laughs> tired and you're barely sitting up straight and you're yeah. watching a movie yeah. and everything about it's telling you to go to sleep. Just let go. You know how it's going to end. Just let go. Uh-huh. So we're watching Friday the 13th, everybody. Right? Hey, yeah. Steve, do you have any trivia that you would like to share with the audience before we... Open up this big spooky can of worms. <laughs> I do. I have a little bit actually, and and there's it has a personal touch in this episode because I think that that always adds something. Um, not really much of a personal touch. It's just that uh, the the movie was shot on location in a little town in New Jersey called Blairstown, New Jersey. And uh-huh. about five or six years ago, uh, me and some friends went up and visited, and we got to walk the very same streets 
of Blairstown, New Jersey, that the first character that we meet in the movie, Annie, the the, the, the girl who's hitchhiking that we'll, we'll get to in a second, uh, we get to walk the same streets that she walked. It was a very powerful experience for... Oh, what a spooky, yeah. pointless, boring field trip you went on, I know, Steve! I know, it's like four hours away. Um, <laughs> it was a long drive. But also, uh, related to that, they because they shot the movie on location in Blairstown and at an actual Boy Scout camp near Blairstown, uh, yeah. when they were in production, the the cast and the crew actually stayed at the camp. So they were living there at the camp while they were shooting this movie about a spooky murderer at a, at a summer camp. Hmm. I've been to places where they shot movies. Harold and Maude. <laughs> The birds, yeah, vertigo. I, well, you live in San Francisco. I a live you to a kill. <laughs> you live in a cool place. The Rock. I live in Western Maryland. I'll take Friday the Thirteenth. Star Trek. And, yeah. <laughs> and now I'm just doing it to hurt his Man, feelings, kids. I've I've been to Baltimore. They shot Homicide: Life on the Street there and The Wire. Yeah, they I also mean, short, shot Hairspray there. Hey, that, that, hey, that, hey John Waters. I, I can I can kind of sort of claim John Waters. There you go, see? Sort of. Yeah. And Barry Levinson. <laughs> All right, there so, you go. So, so, so shove your vertigo and the birds up your ass. Yeah. You <laughs> Holy shit, f- kids, we're having a fight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking advantage of you because you're sick. I shouldn't. I we're should. doing an East Coast, West Coast kind of rapper thing, but <laughs> yeah. with movies. My locations nerds. are better than yours. <laughs> All right, are you ready, I'm ready. to review this god DM. Oh no, we're we, not going to review we, it. We, I still got to tell you who made the yeah. fucking thing. We have to list the uh, the the guilty. <laughs> okay, you ready? Yes. All right. It was directed and produced by Sean S. Cunningham. He hasn't done anything else. He was an assistant on uh, what? The Last House on the Left. Yeah. That abhorrent piece of shit movie. <laughs> um, that's about it, really. Yeah. I mean, I think he directed a few of the other Friday the Thirteenth as they got progressively dippier. <laughs> <laughs> it was written by Victor Miller. He wrote it in two weeks. He also worked on soap operas. That's all of my trivia for Victor, for Victor Miller. Victor, I know you said you, you it took you two weeks. I think this took you two hours to write over long periods of drinking. <laughs> That's what I think. I think you wandered back into your den and went, Oh, I've got a fancy script. Uh, and then you just pounded on the typewriter with your penis. And then you <laughs> wandered off again. Fucking Sean had to take out an ad before I even wrote the script. <laughs> Which is true, by the way. Uh huh. And it stars Betsy Palmer in I Regret This Movie. Kind of. <laughs> she became a little famous for playing Mrs. Voorhees. Mm-hmm. Um, but she got a lot of shit for playing this part because a lot of people thought it was beneath her. Guess what? They were right. <laughs> Harry, uh, Adrian, Adrian King as Alice Hardy. She's done nothing else. Harry Crosby as Billy Brown. Harry Crosby is, um, pretty used to violence and abuse because he's the son of Bing Crosby. Oh. And if you don't get that joke, oh. look it up. Oh. <laughs> Kevin Bacon as Jack Burl. Now, <laughs> uh, this was his second movie, I think. Because he did, uh, he did uh, Animal House. That did not turn him into a star. He was waiting tables again. And then uh, he got offered this really juicy part as blank-faced victim number four. Yeah. 
I didn't. I don't know any of these characters' names really. I know them because they're written here, but I didn't know them when watching the movie because they're just fucking. They're nobodies. They're just. Oh God, Steve. Yeah. All right, let's keep going. Janine Taylor as Marcy Cunningham. She's done nothing else. Laurie Bartram as Brenda Jones. Nothing else. Mark Nelson as Ned Rubenstein. Nothing else. Robbie Morgan as Annie Phillips. Don't even remember who she is in the movie. Peter Brower is Steve Christie. He's the mustache guy, yeah. right, who opens up the camp. He's the, the new owner of the camp, right. Rex Everhart as Enos. Uh, who the fuck was that? Who I, was that? Was he the guy who gave her a lift in his truck? Maybe. Walt Gorney as <laughs> Crazy Ralph. <laughs> Crazy Ralph. Willie Adams as Barry Jackson. Deborah S. Hayes as Claudette Hayes. And Ari Lehman as Jason Voorhees. Because he makes an appearance, kind of. Yeah. At the he, end of the movie. He shows he pops up. pops out of the yeah. water. I'm ruining it, but if, I mean, he pops out of the water. He's got gunk all over him. But then it turns out to be a uh, hallucination or a dream or some shit. I don't know. Right? Yeah. The end. Yeah, We're done. Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> that was fast. <laughs> Not done. Music by <laughs> Harry Manafriend. Who stole parts of the score from Jaws. Yes. Yes, indeed. Um, he also came up with... Whatever. That You mean that, I, Cin- that iconic music cue from this movie? Whatever. Cinematography? There was no fucking... Don't lie to me, movie! <laughs> Cinematography! Barry Abrams. Edited. Edited by Bill Frieda. This movie took ten weeks to edit. Can you believe that fucking shit? Well, they, they, Ten weeks for this movie. They obviously weren't working full eight-hour days. They were obviously... They took a page out of Victor Miller's working approach. They got drunk... <laughs> And they're like, oh, we've got to edit this movie together. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Production company Georgetown Productions and Sean S. Cunningham Films. It was distributed in the United States by Paramount Pictures and internationally by Warner Brothers. It was released on May 9th, 1980. Running time, the longest 95 fucking minutes ever recorded by man. <laughs> Budget? <laughs> Budget five hundred and fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. <coughs> Excuse me, it's killing me, everybody. <coughs> Box office fifty nine point eight million dollars. So it made its money back, Steve. Oh boy, did it! And it earned itself. I don't know how many sequels at this point. I believe the current running tally is is eleven sequels. So okay. a total of twelve Friday the Thirteenth movies. Okay, which one's your favorite? I like the one where he's in space. <laughs> the one where he's in space is a good one. But I'm, I'm actually my recommendation this week is going to be my favorite. So I don't want to. I don't want to give too much away. Okay, <laughs> don't. <laughs> All right, yes. kids. Put on your safety harnesses and keep your arms inside the roller coaster for the thrilling ride. <laughs> Friday the 13th. I don't know why I turned it into a thrill ride, because it's kind of the opposite. Here, let me change the metaphor. Okay, kids, sit down on your grandma's couch and get ready to hear a long story about this time that she dropped the doily. <laughs> <laughs> Grandma, not the doily story again. Shut up. It was exciting. <laughs> Maybe for you, Grandma, not for us. <laughs> I don't care. 
You won't get any inheritance money unless you listen to no. it. God damn it. Tell us about Holy shit, kids. They're going on the tangent already. <laughs> Can the movie be this bad? Tell us about the doily, Grandma. Spoiler alert. It is. <laughs> Holy shit, kids. <laughs> I've had bowel movements scarier than this piece of shit movie. Oh, boy, me too. I mean, I had this one. No, I won't. I won't go into that. It was after this time I ate a lot of beets, no. and I forgot that I ate a lot of beets. <laughs> and I thought, "Oh no, I've got blood in my poop." Oh my god! I've got to go to the doctor. And then Steve, my henchman, said, "You ate a lot of beets, master. Say it. Say what you said." Don't forget, you ate the beets and the deviled eggs, master. <laughs> the pickled eggs. I forgot with the about. I forgot the pickled eggs, boy. Don't go into the crypt that night, I'll tell you that much. You even drank the juice, which I told you never to do. That was pretty high. This is disgusting. <laughs> you see what we're doing, kids? We're avoiding <laughs> reviewing this movie. One of these days, we're going to get around to doing a movie that we both really, really like. <laughs> All right, okay. let's go into the incredibly long, poorly p paced mo world of Friday the 13th. Steve, take it away. <laughs> yes, master. Um, so uh, one of the things maybe that makes the movie feel longer than it is, because it's actually not that long. Um, is it starts with a prologue, which is never a good sign. No, a, but at least it tells us where we are when and when we're <laughs> on. Where are. When a movie starts with a prologue, that's a sign that the director is taking his time. <laughs> He's yeah. like, I'm going to tell you some other stuff before I get to the real story. Um, so so where, is the, where are we? What's going on? <laughs> so the prologue begins in 1958, and it's at, at Camp Crystal Lake. You know what's funny? I just took a sip out of my coffee cup. Usually there's coffee in my coffee mug, but it's filled with mint tea because I, if I if I drink uh, too much coffee or, or regular black tea, I get all jittery and I have to drink tea because I'm sick. Oh, how about that? I don't want to review this movie. <laughs> I know, honey. I know. Don't honey me. You did this. I know. I'm fucker. sorry. Maybe some honey in the tea would help. Um... I can't. I'm a diabetic, oh, asshole. Right. Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. I'm just, I'm just making it worse. The, so what do diabetics use if you can't use honey? Do you have like 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 honey substitutes that won't kill we you? We drink it straight like a goddamn... We drink our mint tea straight like a goddamn man. That's what we do. <laughs> In my day, we didn't sweeten our tea. It tasted like tea, and that's what we wanted it we to taste like. We just put the tea bag in our mouth, and we chewed it. <laughs> man was men in them days. Okay, so anyway. This is going to be the longest goddamn review How did they... in a movie where nothing happens. <laughs> How did they do three hours on a 90-minute movie? Well, most of it was about bowel movements, weird character voices, and nothing. <laughs> and nothing. <laughs> Arguing Kinda over like tea this movie. and honey. Uh, <laughs> okay, so we the, the prologue takes place at what, for, for the contemporary audience, would have been 20 years ago, 1958, and we're at the summer camp, Camp Crystal Lake, and the campers and the counselors are all sitting around the campfire singing camp songs, you know, and then two of them, a boy and a girl. They're not singing camp songs, well, they're, they're singing religious songs. Yeah, well, what, songs. yeah, there's like Michael Row the Boat Ashore or whatever the shit. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, I don't even know what that song's about. Uh, it's what is Michael, that? he's rowing his boat somewhere. <laughs> no, you know what it is? It's it's Michael. Someone wants Michael to bring him the, the goddamn boat. They're like, Michael, row the boat ashore. I need the boat. You've been out there all day. 
Other people need to use this boat, okay? So all we know is the counselors are sitting around singing. Yeah, and then two of them get up and sort of excuse <laughs> themselves from the group, and it's uh, uh, a boy and a girl. And I'm told yeah. I'm told in in the credits that their names are Barry and Claudette, but th- that doesn't, doesn't register. Fucking matter. <laughs> that doesn't register at all in the movie. <laughs> and this is the first time we notice as they're as they're sneaking off to be alone somewhere. We notice that we we cut to this POV shot of someone like following them, sort of creeping up behind them. Yeah. And uh, they go to a to a, like a, another building, and I like they climb up like in a little or loft. Something. I don't know. Yeah, it's some kind of fucking place where there's a place, and they lay a blanket down, and they're, they're like hee, and they start touching each other, and then the POV person comes in and kills him, and then pushes her into a freeze frame. Yeah, and she's like ah, and then she screams all the way to the credits. Yeah, she does. She screams the credits, credits in, and the the, the 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 title comes in, and it swoops right towards us, and like a big rapid push, and it breaks glass that somebody foolishly left right in front of the main title. <laughs> like I guess they thought people who saw movies in in 1980 <laughs> thought that movie screens were made of glass, and that maybe it was to match. The, okay, here's here's a little bit of trivia, yeah. everybody. When uh, they only had a title. Yeah, they had a, a movie title Friday the Thirteenth because this movie is a ripoff of Halloween. Right, the movie we should have reviewed, <laughs> the movie we would have reviewed if we didn't want to tie it in with the release date of this goddamn podcast. You know, we can anyway. We, we can we can go over back and forth. I about will forgive eventually, Steve. <laughs> anyway, so they only had the title. They didn't have a story. They didn't have anything else. So to make sure that they could get the copyright on it and, make, and also make sure that there was no other movie that also had the title, they put up a, an advertisement in Variety and they hired an artist and the artist made the Friday the 13th thing and it was breaking through glass. Right. And they put it up there. Now, it turns out there was a movie called Friday the 13th. Hey, we're another fucking movie with that name. And uh, they sued, but it was settled out of court, whatever. But that's the reason why the opening credits has the breaking glass in the same logo. Even though it's not tied to anything. No. No, yeah, yeah. They actually they did they put out the ad before they had the script, before they even knew what the movie was gonna be about. (laughs) What it should have been, if they wanted to tie it to the movie, would have been a long establishing shot of nothing. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, we get the credits. I become a better reviewer when I'm sick and I'm angry. You have you have just an axe to grind. Oh boy, do I! Should have just been a, a static shot of a big pile of shit. Although, if you blunt the axe, it just becomes a bludgeoning weapon, and the killing takes longer, but it's more enjoyable. Yeah, it's it's oddly more satisfying. Yeah, you know. Anyway, so we're not even out of the goddamn okay, credits. So now the credits, the credits come and go. It's just text on the screen, and then we jump ahead to twenty years later, and it's once again Friday the Thirteenth. It doesn't say that. No, it says it says uh, it gives the date. It, it says, says the present. It says the present Friday, June thirteenth. Yeah, so it's 2017? Uh, yeah, no. No, the present for I, the people. I think it takes place in 2017. Okay. It said the present. Okay. Are you saying this movie's lying to me, Steve? I think it may, maybe, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't think it was originally thought of as a lie, but... I think that filmmakers should stop fucking putting the present into their films. That's what I think, yeah, Steve. Yeah, just say so-and-so, such-and-such years later. Unless, of course, they, th- they think that their movie has the shelf life of a fucking mayfly, and they don't think anyone's going to watch it ever again. <laughs> they just wanted that mo- that opening weekend money so they could go make another movie. That's all they, that's all they gave <laughs> no, you. So they could snort more coke and bang more typewriters with their penis. Oh, right. It was the 80s. Yeah. 
Well, they they just they, they saw that that's what the Hollywood big shots were doing, and they wanted to do that yeah, themselves. That's what all the Hollywood big shots, Blake Edwards, all of yeah. them, just snorting coke and banging just, typewriters with their just dicks, smacking their dicks into typewriters. I just wrote ten, bang, bang, bang. Hey. Le- what whatever the fucking last Pink Panther movie was, I don't know. I love those movies. You'd be cool. the, <laughs> the Pink Panther goes to a store. <laughs> Yeah, Peter the Peter Sellers didn't do this it. one, but we <laughs> Anyway, okay. so it's the present. Yeah, it's the present and we meet uh we we meet a, What's her face one? Uh, what's her face one? Annie. We actually do get her name because she tells somebody her name and she is hitchhiking to Camp Crystal Lake where she is supposed to go. Is and she work. because she just seems to wander into this abandoned town that's overseen by an omnipresent dog that owns the gas station. <laughs> the dog is clearly in charge. Yeah. The dog shows the dog is laying there and she talks to the dog and the dog is like, well, "Yeah, whatever, just go." Like you do. Yeah. I mean, I, I, and I'm kind of like, "Do people live in this town?" Because she's wandering around, there's no one on the street, the, there's nothing. The streets are deserted because they knew the the real story is because they knew people were filming Friday the 13th that day and they were like, <laughs> "I'm not being in that. I'm staying in." Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, she goes she goes to uh like a a diner and there's people sitting around and they do the yeah. they they do the the in scene from Dracula. Yeah, I was just going to say that she walks in and she goes, I'm going to Camp Crystal Lake. And they go, you don't want to go to Borgo Pass. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, uh. you don't want to go, is what we're saying. Yeah. So the old people there kind of like, ooh, Crystal, Camp Blood. Someone actually calls it Camp, Camp Blood. Camp Blood, yeah. The working title for this movie, by the way, was Long Night at Camp Blood. Good title. Descriptive. Accurate. Accurate, yes. You ever have one of those nights? Um, so after being um, a- apprehensive that this girl is going to uh, Camp Blood, uh, the nice truck driver says, oh, yeah, I'll drive you halfway to Camp Blood, right? Yeah, because it's on his way. He says, I'll take you as far as the crossroads. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he, he gives her a ride. On their way out to his truck, they run into uh, crazy old Ralph. Ralph, Who is like yeah. the town nutcase who... Yeah, and he's like, hey, uh, that place has got a death curse. Yeah. I'm getting on my bike now. Bye bye. <laughs> I'm going to ride calmly away. Thanks, town lunatic. Yeah. <laughs> bye, Ralph. Probably won't see you again. Yeah. Oh well, actually, yeah, I'll probably see you about four more times. Red herring, Ralph. We like to call him. Yeah. Then we cut to a truck uh, driving to banjo music. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. We cut to the. Uh, we meet some of the other campers, and I get they're big bluegrass fans, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and they're on their way up to Camp Crystal Lake. And uh, they're talking about... They have pointless, meaningless dialogue that doesn't mean anything. And we don't know their names. It's so that we get to care about them. So the movie has stakes. No, that... What? (laughs) I'm just saying what should have happened. Um, They get to Camp Crystal Lake. Uh, We meet a guy, uh, Steve. Yeah. And he's uh, pulling up a stump. And he's like, okay, guys, we have two weeks to get this camp up and running. Get to work. And then we get to thrill to the gutter repair scene yeah. between him and uh, Alice. Yeah. And she dra- she has drawings. Yeah. Don't think that that's important. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't key into anything else in this movie. No, no. And they have a- Nor does the scene between him him and her where there might be love feelings or something. Yeah, they that never comes up again. They have <laughs> They don't even have another scene together for the rest of the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> but yeah, there's apparently something between them where they, they he wants to go out with her. Or they used to go out and it didn't work out or something. And and she says, well, I'll tell you what, I'll give it one more week. And if by next Friday I'm still not comfortable here, I'm just going to leave. And he's like, okay. And then he leaves to he go. He touches her face. Yeah, he touches her face. And then, and then he leaves to go get supplies. Uh-huh. And he's like, you kids stay here and try not to all of you get murdered and I'll be back tonight. Yeah. And because this movie's so cheap, he climbs into a Jeep. And the reason I say it's cheap is because there's another Jeep in the movie. It's the same fucking Jeep. Yeah. His Jeep has the cloth top down. The other Jeep has the cloth top up. Different Jeeps. Yep. Not that you would know, because we cut to the scene in which we meet uh, What's-Her-Face, Annie, and uh, she's hitchhiking because she got dropped off halfway to Camp Blood, and uh, the Jeep pulls over and picks her up, and uh, she's talking, and she tells the driver, who we don't get to see, that (laughs) her dream is to be a cook at a summer camp. Cool. Lucky her. That's her dream, Well, you know, you start small, and then you build. And I guess the driver's like, um, that's the stupidest dream ever. I'm going to do you a favor and kill you. Yeah. <clears throat> so what happens is she drives past the entrance. Or, oh, I gave it away. She drives past the entrance. I gave away who the killer is, Steve. You, you said you used the pronoun. I know. I said, she. Oh, shit. Darn, I ruined the you whole ruined movie. the whole big twist. Well, anyway, the yeah, they, they drive past the, the entrance to the camp, and Annie's like, hey, that was the entrance... To the ca- I'm in a horror movie, aren't I? Oh, shit. <laughs> Time to jump from the car. Yeah. And so he jumps from the car, runs through the woods, and then gets her throat slit. Yep. The end. <laughs> I'm so glad we spent so much time with this character at the beginning of the movie, aren't you, Steve? Yeah, yeah. Oh, but, but don't you don't think it's like a shocking fake out? No. I guess not. <laughs> Excuse me, people. I got blow my nose. Oh, yeah. Gotta get the bad out. Ah, baby. If I could, I, if I had a dollar for every one of those, I cut out of videos. <laughs> okay, okay, so she's dead. Yeah, she's super she, dead. She fulfilled her purpose of being filler. Yep. And um, now we go back to the camp. Everybody's swimming. Yeah. And then Ned um, drowns. Yeah. Oh, but it's just a shenanigan. He just wanted to get one of the girls to give him mouth to mouth so he could kiss her. That's he right, that trickster guy. <laughs> you rascal, yeah. Phew. And now we cut back into one of the cabins and eek a snake. Yeah, and everybody comes in to help kill the snake. And they destroy the cabin trying to kill the snake. <laughs> they tear up the bed, they fucking hack a machete into the floor. And, and then they kill a real snake. Yeah. Well, how are you going to fake that? I mean, let's be fair. Yeah, how can you possibly fake killing a snake? It's not as if fake snakes are readily available in, in, in shops around the country, and all you would have to do is just use it for one really quick shot. It's not like you could walk up to any 10-year-old and say, hey, do you have a fake rubber snake? I'll give you $5. And they wouldn't pull out five pockets <laughs> fulls of them. What color do you need? You yeah. <laughs> then we cut to um, one of them is dressed like an Indian chief. Yeah, yeah. And then a cop, I think. Yeah, a, a, a totally real cop and not just a guy. Not, no, his helmet. What the <laughs> fuck is... Okay, so this cop <laughs> on a motorcycle rides up. And the only reason we know it's a cop is because someone put on stencil letters, police <laughs> on, the, on the motorcycle. They're like de- the decals that you use to put your name on the side <laughs> of your mailbox. He's wearing a cop helmet that doesn't fit. It's not even big enough for him. He's wearing just a plain blue shirt with like a fake like Halloween costume. He may badge. as well just have "cop" written on his shirt. 
Um, I can't even remember why he shows up. Why is he even there? I I don't know. I mean, he the only reason he he just shows up and and he oh he warns them that 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 Ralph the the crazy, the crazy Ralph. Ralph from the town is is supposedly up wandering around out here and he's been drinking and he starts talking nonsense when he's been drinking. Uh, uh-huh. And then he gets a call on his radio and has to go back into town and he leaves and that's it. That boy, that wasn't filler. <laughs> Okay, so uh, then Ralph shows up. Yeah, apparently he was just chilling in the pantry waiting for somebody to open the door. Yeah, he was just like, oh, any minute. Yeah, here, oh, I hear footsteps. Here they come. I've only been standing here for three hours. Yes. I got to pee. In the pantry. I'm really committed to this pantry scare. I'm kind of, I'm <laughs> impressing myself with this, really. And he has so much more new information to impart, doesn't he, yeah, Steve? Yeah, he basically just says the same thing he said earlier. Like you're, Yeah, you're, you're all cursed. It's a death curse. It's camp blood. You're going to die. Leave now. And then he gets on his bike and he Gets on his away. bike and calmly rides away once again. Yes. <laughs> he's, so now we go, what? <laughs> well, I mean, for a town nutcase, he's pretty dignified. You know, I mean, he gets on his bike. Yeah. He has good posture. His back is straight. And he just rides calmly away. Uh-huh. You know? I, uh... So now we have a cooking scene, and uh, one of the light bulbs doesn't work, and we get the, how many camp counselors does it take to change a light bulb? (laughs) I don't know, but it takes two to get the generator running. Yeah, and that's over. And then we see Ned go into a cabin. Yeah. He, like, hears something, and he's like, hello, and then he goes into a cabin. And I hope that Ned wasn't your favorite character, (laughs) because that's it for Ned. And then we meet What's-Her-Face 2 and um, What's-His-Name 1, played by Kevin Bacon. Yeah, Kevin Bacon. And uh, he says, oh, a storm's coming. And What's-Her-Face says, uh, I'm scared of thunderstorms. Um, Oh, and I have fucked up blood dreams. (laughs) Yeah, but that probably won't be relevant. (laughs) Nope! And Kevin... Because they have to hurry up and get to a cabin for some pre-death boning. Yeah, baby. Hey, you you, you gotta establish the tropes, man. You gotta establish the tropes of the genre. They didn't know they were establishing any fucking tropes. Well, but that, but that, which makes it all the more important. Meanwhile, back <laughs> at the other cabin, the remaining three counselors um, are going to play strip monopoly. Yeah, yeah. Not learn anything about their characters. Not invest in them in any way, shape, or form. They're just going to fucking play the most boring game on the planet Earth in the most disgusting way possible. Look, it's not. Look, I'm not saying it's wrong. I've played. I played strip versions of board games with girlfriends before. It's fun. It is. Uh, yeah, of course. Uh-huh. Strip shoots and ladders. No judgment. Strip, <laughs> I tell you, strip trivial pursuit. <laughs> I mean, is a gas. Yeah, whatever, Grandpa. Anyway, so... <laughs> I need the orange um, pie square. So they, uh, so what's her face and what's his name have sex? Yes. What's his name being Kevin Bacon? Kevin Bacon, Bacon yeah. Neither one of them notice that Ned is dead on the bunk above them. <laughs> Well, he's quiet. He's not making any noise. He's not bleeding through the mattress, nor is he apparently heavy enough to make the indentation that one would make yeah. on a uh, on a mattress. But that's they're okay. not paying attention. Their 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 eyes are on each other. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They're taken by their passion. Yeah. So uh, they get done. She's gonna leave to go to the bathroom, and uh, Kevin Bacon is going to stay to get an arrow in his neck. Yeah. Yeah. That's which. Yeah. So bye, Kevin uh, Bacon. Let me let me get this other thing straight. The killer was under the bed the entire time? Apparently. What happened? Did she fall asleep underneath there? Oh, I said she oh, again. Yeah, you're, you're, you're blowing it, man. Yeah. Did they fall asleep <laughs> underneath there? 
Because you would think if if the plan was you're going to kill them both anyway, you got a two for one. Stab them both. Just jam that arrow right up through their fucking guts. You know what I mean? It doesn't. No. This one is just Kevin Bacon's laying there and then uh, someone grabs his head yeah. and puts an, puts an arrow. arrow through his neck from the back, mm-hmm. like up through the mattress. And that's it for Kevin Bacon. Up through his, Yeah. And he's like, Gurp, I'm yeah. dead. The, probably the best actor in the cast. And he's yeah. dead. So good thing we killed well, him off early. Uh-huh. <laughs> but we got to follow What's-Her-Face back to the bathroom. Yeah. And then she gets axe-faced. Uh-oh. And uh, now she's dead. Um, and now uh, we go back to the strip Monopoly. And what's her face? Three. Uh, what happens? Did the power go down? The, well, the, the 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 wind blows the door open and it kind of blows yeah. the game off. Oh, it messes up their game. And then she decides, I guess it's getting late, and she decides she's going to go to yeah. bed anyway. Yeah, yeah. so she, instead of putting on clothes, she just puts a poncho, on, poncho over her underwears. Yep. And goes out into the rain. Meanwhile, at <laughs> diner... <laughs> Everybody comes to diner. Steve flirts with Grandma Waitress. Yep. And we need to see this scene because this movie would only be about an hour long without filler. Well, The scene serves no purpose. And in, in fact, I would argue, and we're, we're you know at the risk of, of treading into our review territory a little bit early, it actually works against the movie because one of the few sort of semi-clever things that it's trying to do is to create some doubt as to who the killer is. And one of the possibilities up until this scene is that Steve is the killer. It doesn't... And, no, and are they really trying to do that? I That's what I thought because they're being very coy about not showing you who the killer is, never showing you the face, never showing you too much of the body. And and so one of the thoughts I had was, you know, well, maybe Steve is the killer and or, or at least that they're floating that as a possibility to kind of keep you guessing. And then it's like, oh, no, Steve's at the diner and the movie's not even halfway over, so it's definitely not him. You know, uh-huh. they kind of kill that little bit of, of mystery and tension that they had. Oh, so. I thought they just needed this to be an hour and a half. That's probably it. I mean, I'm probably reading too much into it. Yeah, you are. I'm anyway, sure I'm giving the screenwriter too much credit. Oh, no. What's-Her-Face 3 is in the bathroom, where What's-Her-Face 2 got axe-faced. Uh-oh. But nothing happens. Nope. Not, now no, we not, get not more, here. <laughs> yeah, now we get more Steve filler. His car is broke down, and he gets picked up by a policeman, right? And that's all that happens there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep, that's it. Oh, no. What's her face three? Here's someone saying, help me, right? She goes back to her yeah. cabin. She gets in her nightie. She's going to read, and she hears someone saying, help me, help me. She goes out uh, out into the woods. Yeah, out to the archery range. She doesn't put a poncho on this time. She's just no. wandering around in her nightie in the pouring rain. And uh, she goes out to the archery range, and all the lights come on, and um, she dies. <laughs> I guess, yeah. We don't hear it. We just hear a scream, right? Yeah, yeah. And by the way, Steve really invested in quality lighting for that archery range. I don't know how much. I don't know how much. <laughs> a night lot archery. of night shooting. <laughs> he planned an extensive night archery program for the kids at this camp because it's like football stadium lights. <laughs> So, uh, Alice hears the scream. Yeah. Then plays the guitar a little bit, tends to a fire, and doesn't mention the scream until Bill comes in. Yeah. And she also tells Bill that she noticed uh, that the lights at the archery range had gone on. And also that the scream sounded like her friend. Yeah. But probably nothing. Yeah, because she tended to fire and played the fucking guitar. Yeah. It's it's probably not that big of a deal. Look, everyone gets a chance to put filler in the movie. 
Yeah, Al- it was Alice's turn. Yeah. So, uh, Bill and Alice go looking for people. They go into a cabin and they find... Oh, look, Steve. That axe is taking a nap. It's oh, adorable. Don't, don't bother it. <laughs> they find an axe in a bunk. Yeah. Covered with a blanket for no reason. Just because, just you know, the killer has a sense of humor. Killer's messing with him. Right. You know. So now they decide we're going to make a phone call. So they break into the office. Oh, no, the phones are dead. Uh-oh. And Oh, no, the truck is dead. Hmm. Meanwhile, in Steve's movie, he's riding in a car with a cop. Yeah, and then and then the cop gets an emergency call. Yeah, well, first we find the most find out the most shocking thing in this movie, and that is is that the local town lunatic Ralph is married. Yeah, yeah. The cop the cop mentions Ralph's wife, and they're like, oh shit, really? Jesus Christ! That I poor guess there's woman. someone for everybody. Finally, we have a character to root for. Ralph, did you go down to the camp and tell those kids that they were cursed? Yes, mother. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> no, maybe me. Look, the, ta- the, 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 the city aldermen pay you good money to be the town lunatic. You're, you're, that's your only job. Hey, 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 this is a free country. I do what I want. I go where I want. <laughs> Don't give me that. Now, do you, do, you want, do you want some flapjacks for dinner? Uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> you're going to make them, or am I eating canned flapjacks again? Canned, of course. God, yeah. <laughs> I wish I weren't Catholic so we could get a divorce. <laughs> See, we we just create. Well, there's more character development in that bit than there is in the whole. Uh huh. So uh, then we cut to Steve walking up to because he has to get dropped off by the cop because there's a yeah. pile up and the cop has to go. Yeah. And uh, Steve walks up to the camp, sees a person with a flashlight, and he says, "Oh, hey, you." And then he's killed, and yeah. we're all so glad that we spent all of that time with Steve. Aren't we, Steve? Yeah. It's cool, though, because he gets killed in a POV shot, so in a way it's like we're killing him. <laughs> you know? But oh no, the camp's power is dead, too. Uh-oh. And then Bill gets to add filler to the movie by trying to fix the generator. Yeah, but he can't figure out what's wrong with it. Yeah. And then we cut to Alice, who starts screaming for Bill. Yeah, the- Find him. We, now we're at the part of the movie where the, the surviving the character... Dis- no, the most disgusting thing in the movie happens, Steve. What's that? She makes instant coffee. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That is a bridge too far. I mean, and the then stabbings, the arrow killings. Yeah, and oh, by the way, she puts a pot on to boil and then she completely forgets about it. And so do we. And so do the filmmakers. Nice going, matter. Alice. Anyway, that the extra boost of energy from that coffee would have served her well. She goes out, looks for Bill, doesn't find him, closes the generator room door, and what happens, Steve? <gasps> Bill is pinned to the door. He's all he's all he's all arrowed into the door. How? I don't know. Okay. Anyway, so she <laughs> screams and runs into the woods. She's screaming. <laughs> And then she runs back to the cabin, and we enjoy an extended scene of Alice barring the door. First, she ties a rope to the door handle to keep it closed, and then she piles... Explain this to me, Steve. The door opens out. Yeah. So why is she piling things in front of the door? You know, it's 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 a stressful situation. She's not thinking clearly. Sometimes it, it feels better if you're just doing something, you know? All right, so then she goes into the kitchen. Yeah. And What's-Her-Face 3 is thrown through a window. Yeah. Ooh, that's a power move by the killer right there. Yeah. Showing and you who's boss, you then know? Then almost immediately after this, because time does not matter, 
a jeep pulls up. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's who? It's a Why, character it's... we've never seen and who has never been mentioned up to this point. That's yes, it's Mrs. Voorhees, an who? old family friend of the Christies. What? Mrs. Voorhees. What? But we no one's ever said anything about a Mrs. Voorhees ever. It's Mrs. Voorhees. Okay. She's an old friend of the Christies. Oh, okay. So Alice uh, goes in back into the cabin with her. And uh, we get some exposition from Mrs. Voorhees. And what is the exposition, Steve? The exposition is that back in the day, back around 1957, a little boy drowned at this camp. Oh, you mean that one thing that was mentioned in a throwaway line by the truck driver? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Little, little boy drowned at this very camp because the counselors weren't paying attention. They would have rather gone off and had sex with each other than pay attention to the kids. And oh, by the way, the, the, the kid who drowned was my son. This movie's almost over. Yep. The kid who drowned was my son, and oh, fuck it, I might as well just tell you, I've been, I'm the one who's been killing people. I'm crazy. Me, Mrs. Voorhees. I'm, yeah. I'm just completely out to lunch. Yeah. Um, this movie is literally almost over, Steve. Yeah, yeah. And the killer turns out to be someone we've never met. Yep. With a motivation that we're never exposed to prior to that point, right? Yeah, that's true. Two weeks. Right? Two weeks of just slapping that typewriter with your dick. Is that it? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So uh, she hits the old woman with a thing and she runs away. Yeah. And then she runs around and finds everybody. <laughs> yeah. We, we, this is this is the point in the movie where the surviving character finds all of her dead friends. Yeah. You know. And uh, this is when I start having some questions, Steve. Uh-huh. Okay. So this, uh, this old woman in her 50s picked up Bill... And yeah. uh, hung him from the door with arrows in him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. And uh, she threw the corpse of a fully grown woman through a window. Totally. And she hung Steve from a tree. Yep. And yep. she's been stealthing around the camp all day in a bright blue sweater. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. She's good. I guess so. She's, she's got she's, crazy strength or something. She's good. Well, it's like when a mother, you know, it's the adrenaline. Like, it allows people to lift cars and stuff, you know? Okay. She's got, like, the revenge version of that. Right. So uh, she runs into a thing, and they have a tussle, and Alice hits her in the groin, and then knocks her unconscious. Yep. And then Alice runs away and hides in a pantry. Yep. Instead of just crushing her skull with a shovel. I mean, it's obvious that this lady is trying to kill her at this point. (laughs) Alice really needs to just put her away. Yeah. And then uh, she hides in the pantry, and then they have another tussle, and uh, Alice hits her with a skillet. Yep. And then she runs away. To the only place guaranteed to have no escape, the dock. <laughs> yep. I'll go to the lake. That's an idea. They have another tussle. <laughs> and then it ends with a slow motion machete head, where she takes a machete and she cuts off Mrs. Voorhees' head, right? Yep. In slow-mo. Right. Where the hands reach up to where the head would be. Yeah. Like, clutching like, like, like curses. Oh, I was so close. <laughs> I almost had it. And so, rather than get into the functional Jeep and head to town, (laughs) Alice decides, for no reason, to get into a canoe and fall asleep. Right? In the the middle of the lake. But it's okay, because cops are here in time, and they get to see an implausible ending to a stupid, boring, goddamn movie. What do they see, Steve? Well, 
the cops arrive and Alice wakes up on the canoe in the middle of the lake and you hear like the cop from your, you don't hear anything, but you see the cop like yelling to her from this, from the, the shore. And right as Alice looks like she's home free, the police have come and saved her. All of a sudden this, this grotesque deformed figure lurches up out of the lake and grabs his arm around Alice and pulls her into the water. And Oh, what a shocking twist ending to the movie. From and Carrie. Yeah, and then, and then we cut from that to Alice waking up in a hospital. Like in Carrie. I mean, if you're, if you're going to, you know, insist on making a comparison, I am then. Yeah. Okay, because they said it out loud in interviews. <laughs> oh, we ripped that off from Carrie. So she's in the hospital. She, she's, uh, everybody's dead. The, she's like, what about Jason, the little kid? They're like, there was no Jason, you crazy broad. Yeah, we didn't find, we didn't find anybody else. Yeah, and she said, that means he's still out there. Cut to the lake. Yep. The end. The end, yes. So, Steve, what is your opinion of this festering cauldron of puke that was foisted upon me (laughs) in my lowest point while I am ill? What is your opinion of the classic spooky movie, Friday the 13th? Um... I don't know. It was all right. Um, <laughs> I I will say this. I will say this. I will drop um, you into I... a wheat thresher. <laughs> um, I I didn't love it. I didn't think it was a great movie. I'm, I'm going to give it a negative review. But I I I have to admit that it is a negative review that is tinged by a little bit of affection. Oh there my is, god! There is a part of me that, while admitting that this is an awful movie, uh kind of likes it and i'm going to try to explain why okay yeah boy Um, (laughs) you better break out a goddamn chalkboard and graph this thing (laughs) we're gonna go back to video for this episode because i have some (laughs) slides um no it's 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 not a good movie and it's one of the most blatantly derivative horror movies to to reach the status that it reached in terms of like cultural significance i've ever seen i mean it it mainly rips off two uh, i mean it rips off a lot of movies but it mainly rips off two movies that just so happen to be two of the most iconic horror movies ever made which those would be halloween obviously yeah. uh, and and also psycho uh, especially mm. once Mrs. Voorhees shows up. Yeah. She's sort of like the the inversion of Norman Bates, where she's the mother who thinks she's the child instead of the other way around. And um and so it's it's obviously a ripoff from those. It obviously it's 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 assembled from spare parts and you know, the script doesn't really amount to anything. The actors don't really get a chance to do anything. Uh-huh. And, you know, there there are some actors in it, like particularly Kevin Bacon, who we know from later work turn out to be pretty good that are just sort of there, just sort of like, Oh, okay, well, I guess that's it for him. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and uh, cause it's, it's weird. Like if, if you, if you watch the movie now and you think like, Oh, it's Kevin Bacon and Friday the 13th, kind of like, you know, Johnny Depp in nightmare on Elm street. Like maybe this is, will turn out to be like his sort of, and no, not really. <laughs> like he's barely in it and he gets killed off unceremoniously and that's it. Um, but even, even with all of those flaws and as terrible as it is, and, and I, I would never want to quarrel with any of the bad reviews that it got because the, the movie, this is a movie that 
at the time that it came out was just terribly reviewed. Like very few film critics gave it any kind of a positive review. It was a, it was a, a big box office hit for, for its budget and for what it was. Um, but critics thought it was just trash, thought it was yeah. awful. Uh, Siskel and Ebert just ripped it to pieces and, yeah. and pointed out. They dedicated out, an entire show to oh, it. And, and, very, and rightly so pointed out how sexist it was and how misogynistic it was, how it has this majority female cast that are basically just there to get butchered uh, for the titillation of what was presumably a mostly male audience. And, mm-hmm. and, and there's, and I don't, I don't, I don't, quarrel with any of that it's it's a really it's a shoddy movie from top to bottom and there's all kinds of shit wrong with it but i can't help watching it and just thinking yeah but i kind i don't know i just i kind of don't hate it you know there's there's something about the fact that it was obviously made by people who really didn't know what they were doing who who were working on a relatively shoestring budget who were trying to just put together a movie that they had to make because they marketed it before they even had a movie. And they came out with something that is very derivative and very sort of, you know, off made of off the rack parts. But I don't hate it. There's 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 a there's a weird kind of shoddy homemade charm to it to me. And I would never call it one of my favorite movies and I would never like go out of my way to recommend that people see it or anything. But it's one of those movies that like when I was a kid that you would watch like at a slumber at a slumber party or something, you know? Yeah. Like you would you would have your you know, your you would go over to your to your best friend's house for his for his birthday party and you'd have a sleepover with uh-huh. uh, a bunch of your friends and you'd stay up late and you'd watch this movie, you know. Or you'd watch, you know, like Hellraiser. I mean, there's there's a lot of better movies you could watch, but you would probably. Yeah, we loved Hellraiser. We watched Hellraiser at at sleepovers when Um, you were twelve. Yeah, yeah, about yeah. Your personality has fallen right in line. I'm starting to understand (laughs) a lot now. It's all clicking into place. Yep, it's all clicking into place. Um, (laughs) And yeah, and we and we would watch movies like this. These these cheesy, low low rent, trashy horror movies that became cult classics because 12 and 13 and 14 year old boys would watch them at slumber parties and and think that they were doing something super forbidden you know what i mean and and if if you look at at this movie there's i mean it's it's not that gory compared to other movies nope there's not really that much nudity in it it's not Uh that it's not really adult in any way Nope. Um, but there was something like seedy and sort of forbidden about it, and well, at least when I was a kid. And there's, I guess there's there's a touch of that that is still with it when I watch it. And I watch it, and I, I recognize how awful it is when I watch it, especially as an adult and looking at it with a critical eye and seeing all the things that it borrows and all of the weird choices that it makes in terms of its screenplay um, and how paint by numbers it is and how it basically it's just, okay, introduce a bunch of characters, kill them all except for one have the surviving one find all the dead ones and then have the final fight with the 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 you know the big villain and then that's it that's this movie you know it's not nobody's going to pat itself on on pat it on the back for its creativity and its invention but there's just there's there's an inescapable charm to it that I just can't deny so so I'm not going to say it's a good movie I'm not going to recommend it I'm not going to say go out and see it but I will say it's a shitty movie that I have a weird sort of affection for okay my turn <laughs> Aside from Grandpa's Steve's nostalgia for this piece of shit. I'm Ray Bradbury. <laughs> Sorry. That's all right. Um, this movie is fucking boring. <laughs> it's a 
fucking boring movie. And while Steve feels that it has some charm to it, I don't see the charm to it yeah. at all. It's uh, a lazy, fucking awful, awful script, but not in a fun way. Okay, it was written by someone who knows how to write lines of dialogue, but none of the dialogue goes anywhere. None of the characters are informed. We don't get any sense of character development. It's not written by talentless people, because talentless people come up with stupid, weird shit for people to say, and these people are just boring. They're boring fucking people. And the other thing is, is that the people who made the movie had, you know, technically this was an independent film. Yeah. But the thing was, was that what they wanted to do was they wanted some of that Halloween money. And they went, how can we make some of that Halloween money without spending any fucking money on a movie? And that's what they came up with, was this. And they sold the movie on the idea that it was going to be shocking and that it was going to be a roller coaster ride. I actually read that, where one guy said, I want this to be more like a thrill ride. It's not. This thing no. is so fucking... It's about as thrilling as a kiddie train ride that is broken and going at half speed. And every once in a while, a guy pops out and goes, boogity, boogity. But he only does it like halfway. He's like, I hate this movie. I hate it. (laughs) And the reason I hate this movie is, number first and foremost, you can tell when the filler kicks in. And it's often and pointless. (laughs) We don't need to know anything about Steve. Nothing. Steve goes away. We don't need the diner scene. We don't need the cop scene. We don't need anything. We want to know why? Because the diner scene and the cop scene does not inform us to anything that's going on in the movie. Nothing at all. Whatsoever. Nothing. It's just Steve doing stuff. Not our Steve. But, you know, it's just Steve. Camp Steve. Camp Steve. And then when he shows up at camp, he gets killed. Kind of like Annie at the beginning. Yeah. I think technically the one character that we know the most about because we spend some time with her, but then she dies. And that is not the movie trying to swerve us or to get us off guard. It's just bad writing. And they were like, oh, we're going to make a movie like Halloween, except we're not going to (laughs) try to think about it. The killer, the killer, the killer. In a movie that was made by people who understand how to write and direct, we would have been given a little bit more information to lead us, at least throughout, you know, Steve wants to say that they threw out a bunch of red herrings that we keep guessing. Maybe maybe it's the weirdo cop. Maybe it's Crazy Ralph. Maybe it's truck driver guy. Maybe it's the dog from the gas station. Maybe it's Steve. I don't think they were trying to do that at all. I think that they came up with this plot twist of it being Mrs. Voorhees, but honest to fucking God, guys... We're 45 minutes into this movie. In an hour and 40... No, no, that's the halfway mark. We're an hour into this movie. When we're introduced to a character that has never been mentioned and we have never heard anything about, who turns out to be the killer. (laughs) And we're supposed to be surprised, shocked, or whatever. And at that point, the movie just kind of falls apart because now you're looking at this 50-year-old woman who's shorter than everybody else. I don't care how crazy she's acting. She's easily knocked out. (laughs) And now we're supposed to be afraid for Alice, who we also have nothing invested in. The killings are not imaginative. They're not technically very gory. They're badly shot. Um, There's no point in which I go, wow, how'd they do that? I know exactly how they did everything. It's not impressive (laughs) at all. And when I walk away from this film, I'm like, Jesus. 
maybe this was thrilling, you know, maybe people got scared at this in 1980, but and maybe it's because they've been colored by actual scary movies or imaginative movies or creative horror films since then. And yes, I know a lot of people reference this movie whenever they want to parody slasher films. Yeah. You know, teenagers having sex and they all get killed, whatever. But there was only there was only you could only go up from this film, okay? <laughs> you could take some of the core ideas and make a better movie, but that doesn't mean that this movie is worth anything, right? Um, and so when I watched it, I got, was angry at the lazy story writing. I was angry at the the poor pacing. I was angry at all of the establishing shots that they would use over and over. And I don't care how many times they shot the fucking lake; it wasn't scary. <laughs> so for me it was a tedious chore that i'm glad we've gotten over with because we'd never have to do it again right steve <laughs> oh well yeah we're definitely not going to do it again so while i understand that steve has a connection with it because he got a nascent boner watching two people have what is arguably the least sensual sex scene ever put to film right that's, that's not that's not what it's like when you have sex no me neither, me neither. <laughs> just... of course not course not i don't have i don't i just don't have that and i remember feeling that way when i saw it when i was a teenager i was like really that's it this is the <laughs> big thing this is the scary movie so yeah fuck it fuck you movie fuck you fuck you're not a classic this year i'm putting it in you're not a cl- you are not the classic i condemn you steve <laughs> yeah i have to say not classic if i i have i i have a weird affection for it but it's not a classic movie it doesn't it doesn't really deserve to be seen. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it. Now it's time for us to recommend actually spooky movies. Things that are hopefully better than this one. Right, Steve? Well, we'll see. What is your spooky movie I'm going to recommend? I will tell you, Master. Um, okay, so you heard me at the beginning or toward the beginning of the show say I was actually for my recommendation. Um, I was going to recommend my favorite movie from the Friday the 13th franchise. I figure yes. I might as well. I doubt we'll be talking about any Friday the 13th movies at any point Never in the future again. on this show. So I'm going to get all my shots in while I can. Um, and in keeping with the spirit of my review, where I acknowledge that it's a shitty movie, but I also kind of like it, um, I'm going to recommend a movie that is in many ways arguably an even worse movie than the original Friday the 13th, but that I like even more. Oh, goody. It's the movie that is often cited as as the worst movie in the entire franchise. Although, oh, really, no. that's like, I mean, that's really a pick you know what I mean? Like, how do you, how do you really choose? Um, but it is the eighth movie in the Friday the 13th series, subtitled Jason Takes Manhattan. Oh, I knew you were going to say and that. And it is, it is so bad... Even for a Jason movie, it's so bad that it pretty much killed the franchise for about five years. Hey, you uh, want to kill a movie? Call it Jason Takes Manhattan, but most of it takes place on the boat! Yeah, it, <laughs> technically he makes it to Manhattan by the end of the movie, but a lot of it is, is boat stuff. Um, it's one of... It, it, until they did Jason in Space, it was certainly the silliest of the movies. That's my um, favorite. That is, I mean... you might as well just steer into the skid and say, you know what? These movies suck anyway. Let's just try to make them suck on purpose. Is that the one where he goes into the the simulation room and it simulates Crystal Lake 
and there are these girls in, <laughs> in, 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 in swimsuits. And when we cut back to the scene, he's put one in a sleeping bag and is just beating her against a tree. <laughs> I mean, just, you know what? That's that's how you beat him. Just put, <laughs> put Jason on a holodeck. In a holodeck, lock, yeah. And just lock the door and just let him go. Let him do what he loves. He won't be hurting anybody. Um, but yeah, but until we got to that point, Jason Takes Manhattan was certainly the silliest movie in the franchise. And that's what I like about it is is that it just it, it's one of the movies that even though it's it, it as well, just like all of them, is terrible, it seems to have some dim faintly dawning recognition of how terrible it is and it's and it decides you know what let's just go with it so you know some of some of the kills in the movie are staged to get a laugh as opposed mm-hmm. to just have Jason hacking at people or you know stabbing somebody there's there's a, a a very famous one where Jason finds somebody on the roof of a building and he has them cornered and the guy stands up to Jason and he says all right come on take your best shot and Jason looks at him for a second, and then we just see him pulling his fist back, and then we cut to a shot from the street, and you just see the dude's head flying off the roof. <laughs> so there's stuff like that that I think makes it a much more enjoyable bad movie, and sort of it, it, more in the so bad it's good category than the original Friday the 13th, um, which, as as you correctly describe in your review, was had a was 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 very tedious and had a lot of sort of you know filler in it. Uh, Jason takes Manhattan at least has some silliness and some goofiness and some laughs. Um, and if if you're gonna watch a Friday the Thirteenth movie, I think it should be Jason takes Manhattan. By the way, another favorite of the Slumber Party Circuit when I was a kid. So there Oof. you go. You have a lot to answer for slumber parties. <laughs> I am I am a child of the eighties. We have so much to answer for, just in general. All right. Well, as you guys know, I pick a movie from the same year as the movie we just reviewed, and I picked a movie by a better filmmaker. It's not a perfect film movie, but I like it. And that movie is called The Fog. Ooh. Directed by John Carpenter, produced by Deborah Hill, written by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill. It stars Adrian Barbeau, Jamie Lee Curtis, John Houseman, Janet Lee, and Hal Holbrook. Um, it is a ghost story, guys. Basically, that's it. It's just a ghost story about leprous pirates <laughs> <laughs> coming back to get some old fashioned revenge on a little town and they come in through the fog. And it's not a perfect movie, but it is spooky. And when you're a little kid and there's fog and there's a little kid that gets killed in it, oh, and they kill an old lady, and oh, boy! <laughs> Hal Holbrook brings out a cross made of gold. <laughs> they tried to remake it in, like, 2007 or something like that, and it was a flop because it sucked. Yeah. Not even Thomas Jane could save it. Nope, but this movie was... <laughs> this movie... This movie is fun, and um, it, yeah, it can get a little draggy, and it can take a while to get to the, get up to the point in which uh, the fog is overtaking the town. But it's it's a good old fashioned spooky story with ghosts and shit and violence, and Adrian Barbeau, and I like Adrian Barbeau. <laughs> so I mean, what more do you fucking want? Yeah, jeez. And it's also got Janet Lee and Jamie Lee Curtis, mommy and uh, mommy and daughter. So yeah, in the same movie. Shit. What, do you, what else you want for your f- <laughs> three bucks? You I'm talking more? this 1980 dollars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if you haven't seen the fog. It, it's worth. It's it's a it's a good little film, and uh, and it is a little film. They didn't make it for a huge amount of money. Yeah. 
And it's not nearly as gory as some people think it is. There's a couple of really goopy, gross parts, but for the most part, it's fun. So go see it, The Fog. And that's it for this one's <laughs> Fuck off, you piece of shit, Friday the 13th. How dare you? <laughs> hey, Steve. Yes, Master. We have one more show for Spooky October. Yes. For Halloween, and what movie are we going to review next time that better be goddamn super scary? We're going to... We're going to review one of the most frightening movies ever made. I, I think you're going to swerve me. Yes. No, I promise I'm not going to swerve you, no. I think you're going to swerve me real bad. We're going to we're going to review one of the most terrifying films ever put to celluloid. Holy shit, I'm by, getting excited. What is a, it? By a true master of the art form. Yes. Oh my god. His magnum opus. Yes? We're going to review Ed Wood's Plan 9 from Outer Space. You yeah. swerve me, you bastard! That's not good? It's not scary. That's no. It but may be are, one of the funniest movies ever made. There are there are zombies in it. There are animated corpses. That's true, so we get the super scary part for the Halloween. And aliens. Um, okay, I guess that's kind of scary scary how zombies and aliens and a spooky graveyard but there is Tor Johnson and oh. there hasn't been a spookier man in a movie no. since him he, he doesn't even need makeup <laughs> no he doesn't he look he shows up to the set looking or like apparently acting lessons no <laughs> good thing he has so much dialogue in the movie Okay, kids, you heard it here first. On our next super spooky Halloween episode, we're going to review the super spooky Plan 9 from Outer Space. So much cardboard has never been put to such good use in a movie. Right, Steve? Such a realistic plane cockpit set. So the aliens look so alien. They're wearing silk pirate shirts. (laughs) And that's it. I hope you guys appreciate what we went through to review this piece of shit. For late seating, this is Jason. I'm still scaring Steve's mom, Harding! And this is Steve. Oh, and go see a movie this ah, week. Yeah, I forgot. You I forgot my line. You're sick. I got so wrapped up in the character. You're sick. Here, I'll, I'll take another run at do it. it. Do another take. I'll do it. Watch. <clears throat> this is called professionalism, kids. Yeah. All right, <laughs> for late seating, this is Jason. I've kind of gotten bored with scaring Steve Shive's mom, Harding, and go see a movie this week. I command you. And this is Steve. I was never that close to my mother anyway, Shives. So it doesn't really bother me that much. And I want to leave you with this. Did you know a young boy drowned the year before those two others were killed? The counselors weren't paying attention. They were making love while that young boy drowned. How do you know? His name was Jason. Yeah, how do you know? How do you know they were making love? What were you doing, Mrs. Voorhees? I was I was I was the cook and the kitchen was right next to where they were making love. Ah, uh, I see. Uh, Mrs. Voorhees, I understand yes. that you are uh, experiencing what is called transference. No. And what happens with no. transference is that when you are feeling guilty for not being there for your son with the drowning, that you are transferring your guilt into uh, the form of anger against him, the counselors. <laughs> 
Okay, what did we talk about, Mrs. Kill Voorhees? About mommy, kill him okay. now. You know that I will, he's Jason. not. No, huh? no, what? no, no, no. What? Do you still want your lithium? Oh yeah, sure. Okay, well, stop with the whole talking to the dead boy in the voice. I know where you can get all the lithium you want, mommy. He's, he, he does not. He's well. I okay. Look, hmm? your only way that you're going to get better mm-hmm. is two ways. You ready? Okay. Number one. Kill every person that ever tries to reopen that camp. Okay. Or keep coming to sessions and taking the prescriptions that I'm giving you. Okay. So which one will it be? Do the first one, Mommy. The kid says I gotta do the first one. Alright, fine, but I'm still billing you for this hour. Okay. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Late Seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Produced by Jason Harding. Theme music, Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts. Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Lemmy Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Listen. And thanks for listening.